Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. And so glad you are with us for the Tuesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. We have good, crazy, and crazy martinis for you today. We're brought to you by NetSuite by Oracle, netsuite.com slash martini for more information on that. And we'll tell you a lot more about it in just a moment. Uh, Jim, we're not talking about impeachment today, but uh, it's fun to watch the cable news channels chatter about it this morning. Uh, According to CNN, Mitch McConnell has defied Chuck Schumer in not uh, wanting witnesses in the impeachment trial. I didn't know the majority leader could defy the minority leader, but... Apparently, that's the, that's the way it works. And I think in a, in a short time here, as we're recording late Tuesday morning, we're going to get live coverage of the House Rules Committee. And if there's anything more exciting than watching the House Rules Committee operate live, I don't know what it is. I don't think we've had live coverage of one of these since Louise Slaughter was trying to finagle Demon Pass back during Obamacare. I was going to say, back in my CQ days, I had to periodically cover the House Rules Committee. And I guess if you're really into legislation, this is when they decide how many amendments were going to be on a bill and which ones would get selected. So on the one hand, the stakes could be really important, but um, man, that's some inside baseball. Riveting television, I'm sure. It is, but hey, they're going wall to wall. But uh, let's talk about our good martini now. And even though impeachment is coming tomorrow, yes, it is. Uh, You see all these uh, moderate Democrats lining up now for impeachment. It's a done deal. And uh, so is acquittal in the Senate, by the way, but we just haven't gotten to that part yet. But uh, regardless of how this exactly plays out, uh, the effect on the presidential race does not seem to be uh, hurting President Trump at all. In fact, it seems to be helping him more and more. We've talked about the swing state polls uh, last week and how uh, Trump is now uh, beating everybody in Michigan, Pennsylvania and Wisconsin. And now in the national head to heads, uh, we're pretty much looking at the same thing here. According to a USA Today Suffolk University poll, you've got Trump ahead of Joe Biden by three, ahead of Bernie Sanders by five, ahead of Elizabeth Warren by eight, ahead of Buttigieg by 10 and ahead of Bloomberg by nine. The consistent news for Trump here is also perhaps his biggest weakness in that he can't get past 45 percent. He's at 45% against Warren, 44% against Biden and Sanders, 43% against Buttigieg and Bloomberg. But uh, as we just explained, all the Democrats are below all those numbers, at least for this moment. So, uh, Jim, kind of like it was 20 years ago in impeachment, what somebody thought was a political winner turns out not to be. Yeah, um, I saw this and it's I you know was pretty shocked by it. Um, Trump has been trailing the hypothetical head-to-heads for most of the year. Um, a little bit earlier this week, Investor Business, Investors Business Daily did a similar kind of head-to-head study and found Trump narrowly ahead of everybody except Joe Biden, uh, and Biden was ahead by five. So that look, that's looking a little bit better. One thing we probably should note about this USA Today poll that I did not mention in the morning jolt because they buried it way deep in the story. Um, an unnamed third-party candidate received between 11% and 15% in the head-to-head contests a factor that could determine who wins the White House. Now, we know there's going to be third-party candidates out there. There's going to be a Green Party candidate. There's going to be a Libertarian Party candidate. You hear the, you know, Hillary Clinton seems convinced that Tulsi Gabbard is going to run for the third party, run for the Green Party. They're, you know, they're going to be candidates out there. Uh, periodic, you know, murmurings that, you know, if Bloomberg doesn't like the nominee, maybe he'll do it. Howard Schultz said he wasn't going to do it. So I, I'd be surprised if the independent candidate got it up to 11 to 15%. That's a lot. Uh, having said that, could the third party candidates, you know, 
uh, prevent a candidate from getting 50%? And could that, you know, end up making the difference? Yeah. Yeah. That could happen pretty easily. So not quite sure. Wish USA Today had mentioned that earlier. And let me make another observation. Greg, I don't know if you visited the USA Today website lately. Yeah. Man, they've got a lot of ads. <laughs> yes, they a do. lot of pop up video. No, I keep seeing Gannett's going to have layoffs, and I don't understand that because I have to click through 14 ads just to get to the one article I want to cite in our particular podcast. <laughs> um, and I'm sure somebody's going to say National Review has its own problems, which is probably why I should subscribe to NR. Plus. Ooh, um, very subtle. But nice. that's where that thing is. So, nonetheless, you look at that, you look at the Marquette uh, University survey in, in Wisconsin. Uh, that one had Trump beating all comers except for Biden. Now, all of Trump's leads were like one or two points, and Biden had a one-point lead over Trump. So they're all looking very close. But, you know, you look at Trump, and you probably if you're on the Trump re-election campaign, you look at these numbers and say, okay, we got a real shot next year, uh, particularly if the economy keeps roaring. Is it, you know, guaranteed? No, but, you know, there are very few guarantees in politics. So, uh, you know, if you're on the right and you want to see Trump re-elected, you're, you're waking up to some pretty good news this morning. Yeah, I think there's a couple of factors at work here, and I think we've talked about this before, and that's that if people sense an unfair process or excessive desire for uh, punishment, if you know if they think what Trump did wasn't great, but they don't think it rises to impeachment or something like that, they think the Democrats are overreaching or just engaging in, in partisanship and they're still not over 2016 and so forth. It, it smacks a little bit. I don't know if it's quite the same intensity, but it smacks of how Republicans in a lot of places were kind of apathetic about the 2018 midterms until the Democrats went after Brett Kavanaugh. And then, boom, uh, it, it just absolutely energized a lot of people who otherwise may or may not have actually shown up. And it really got them engaged uh, in the campaign. And we'll see if that uh, extends all the way to November. The Kavanaugh hearings obviously happened just about a month before the midterm elections. Uh, you talked about the uh, the third party candidate getting 11 to 15. You think uh, Evan McMullen sees that and goes, ah, take two, baby. Here we go. <laughs> I hear my country calling for me. <laughs> Actually, no, it was just your, just your campaign vendors still asking to get paid. Exactly. Speaking of uh, grifters on the right, we'll get to them later uh, in the uh, podcast in our second crazy martini. But for now, uh, Trump is looking at his numbers, uh, has to be fairly pleased with them. I'm sure he'd like his numbers to be a little bit higher, but he's ahead. And that's in the end all he really cares about. But when it comes to your business, uh, your numbers are very, very important because if you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business. But the problem that growing businesses have and that keeps them from knowing their numbers is this ridiculous hodgepodge of business systems that you often put together when you're first starting out. So these businesses have one system for accounting, another for sales, another for inventory, and on and on. It's just a big, inefficient mess that takes up too much time and uses too many resources. And in the end, that hurts your bottom line. Introducing NetSuite by Oracle, the business management software that handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud platform giving you the visibility and control that you need to grow. With NetSuite, you save time, money, and unneeded headaches by managing sales, finance, accounting, orders, and human resources instantly right from your desktop or phone. That's why NetSuite is the world's number one cloud business system. This is proven. Thousands of the best-known brands and fastest-growing companies are using NetSuite to manage their business, and now it's available to you. You'll learn how to optimize processes, drive operational excellence, sell across more channels, and much, much more. And right now, in addition to all that, NetSuite is offering you valuable insights with a free guide, Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits, 
at netsuite.com slash martini. That's netsuite.com slash martini to download your free guide, Seven Key Strategies to Grow Your Profits. One more time, netsuite.com slash martini. All right, Jim, on to our first crazy martini now. And as long as we're talking about polls, let's talk about someone who was cratering in the most recent polls until she decided no longer to run for president. And that would be California Senator Kamala Harris. And, Jim, you think when you launch a presidential campaign, you have a basic understanding of how a lot of the things work in a campaign, particularly how, you know, polling works, for example. So Yahoo News uh, yesterday comes out with a story that they put up on Twitter that says a new Fox News poll on voter support for impeachment contradicted President Trump, who recently boasted major support in favor of no impeachment. Now, to some extent, Trump's right, because the real clear politics moving average on the impeachment polls suggests that now um, at least a plurality are opposed to impeachment. So Fox News poll shows that uh, more people in favor of impeachment. Kamala Harris retweets this and then says, even viewers of Trump's favorite network are turning on him. No one, including Trump, is above the law. He must be impeached. Leaving the clear impression, Jim, that Kamala Harris thinks a Fox News poll is conducted among Fox News Channel viewers. Yeah, and that is not how it works. <laughs> Fox News uh, operates with an independent uh, polling firm to do it, and then Fox News reports on it. Basically, Fox News does the paying, <laughs> and the pollster does the usual calling up people and getting their opinions. This is 1,000 registered voters. You don't have to watch Fox News to be a respondent in a, uh, in a Fox News poll. Uh, they, they do the usual balancing to make sure it's got the right uh, gender split, racial split, age split, all that kind of stuff. Um, in case you're wondering about that sample, Democratic-leaning voters outran- were slightly larger than the Republican-leaning voters, 46% to 41%. Um, in fact, one of the great ironies is that you look at the Fox News poll compared to everybody else's. It's usually a little bit tougher for Republicans than the other ones. And I, my, I've always wondered why this is. My suspicion is, is that Fox News knows that you know, there are some people who are ill-informed and, and say, well, it's a Fox News poll. What do you expect? So they do everything possible to bend over backwards to avoid the perception that their samples are in any way skewed in favor of the Republican side or anything like that. Now, Kamala Harris tweeted this out. If she had said this off the cuff or something, maybe you could cut her a little bit of slack because I was like, okay, when, when, as soon as I saw this, I was like, okay, is this dumb or dishonest, right? Does she genuinely not know how this stuff works? Or does she know, but she doesn't care? She just wants to have the talking point. Look, even Fox News viewers are turning against Trump. Um, Because it's a tweet, and because this came out at 2.15 yesterday afternoon and it's still up, I'm leaning towards dishonest. Uh, I think, you know, if you're a U.S. senator, you've run for office many times, you ran for president. I think you do know how polls work. And you're basically not caring about this. You just want people to believe, oh, look, Fox News viewers are turning against Trump, even though it's not really true. And oh, by the way, uh, as you noted, the overall polling for impeachment is not particularly, uh, particularly surprising. Um, I, yeah, that's that's what it is. And it's, you know, again, so good good thing she's out of the presidential race. Kamala Harris, you know, given the choice between being like, here's the other thing is that you could say this Fox News poll shows uh, support for impeachment growing. Right. Or this new Fox News poll shows bad numbers. She could have made a lot of arguments, but she had to go that extra line and say, oh, no, Fox News viewers are against it. Um, She really has to gild the lily, even when you've actually got an argument that's perfectly fine sitting there right in front of you that just happens to be true. 
that just proves that uh, these people don't actually watch Fox News, which doesn't surprise me. I don't expect Kamala Harris to be uh, glued to Fox News Channel. But Sean Hannity has polls. Uh, Judge Jeanine has polls. And they're things like, isn't Trump awesome? Do you agree? And it's like 99 to 1. That's the kind of poll that you could actually uh, say Fox News viewers sometimes, uh, not exactly representative of the public, but the ones that the Fox News channel conducts with official polling companies, far, far different. Yes, yeah, self-selecting online polls where, you know, I mean, Ron Paul always used to want every, win every drudge poll by like 80 to 10, <laughs> right. every one of them. Uh, you know, sorry, that's not, you know, those are not representative because all the, you know, the Ron Paul fans would say, hey, do you see this poll? Quick, go over and vote to it on other, on all the chat boards and such. And your sample would end up having 80 some percent Ron Paul supporters when it was not, you know, representative of the, uh, uh, of the country as a whole. All right, Jim, let's move on to our second crazy martini now. And this should shock absolutely no one who actually knows who these people are. Uh, but in the New York Times today, a group of Republicans, and I'm using that term in quotation marks at this point, uh, who hate Trump and have hated him since day one, uh, are launching a new super PAC called the Lincoln Project. It involves George Conway, husband, of course, of Kellyanne Conway, who's constantly on Twitter and once in a while on on cable news bashing the president. Uh, Steve Schmidt, who was a bigwig in the McCain campaign and uh, with uh, Republican uh, operatives in Washington uh, during the, the Bush administration. Uh, Rick Wilson, more of a Florida guy, constantly on Twitter haranguing the president. John Weaver, who, as you've pointed out, is uh, always the guy running the campaign of uh, other people named John who are trying to be the Republican that hates other Republicans. So uh, they're putting together this Lincoln Project, and the idea here, according to them, is to highlight our country's story and values and its people's sacrifices and obligations. This effort transcends partisanship and is dedicated to nothing less than preservation of the principles that so many have fought for on battlefields far from home and within their own communities. This effort asks all Americans of all places, creeds, and ways of life to join in the seminal task of our generation, restoring to this nation leadership and governance that respects the rule of law, recognizes the dignity of all people, and defends the Constitution and American values at home and abroad. And you're thinking, oh, they're launching a civic literacy project. That's desperately needed. What a great idea. Over these next 11 months, our efforts will be dedicated to defeating President Trump and Trumpism at the ballot box and to elect those patriots who will hold the line. We do not undertake this task lightly, nor from ideological preference. We have been and remain broadly conservative or classically liberal in our politics and outlooks. Our many policy differences with national Democrats remain, but our shared fidelity to the Constitution dictates a common effort. Jim, these are all people who almost no one had heard of before President Trump came along. Uh, they've done very well for themselves uh, financially and otherwise uh, in the intervening three or four years here. And uh, because they're great patriots and they love the Constitution, they're going to make sure that uh, Democrats win across the board, regardless of whether they're flaming socialists or anything else. You know, I'm going to make I'm going to take listeners deep into the Wayback Machine. It is 2004. I have just started full time at National Review. I've been freelancing for them for a long time, covering the campaign. And I get invited into the uh, the war room, so to speak, for the Bush Cheney campaign. Right, the, the head of opposition research, the guy, either the Bush Cheney campaign or the RNC. But at that point, they were like you know, uh, operating hand in glove. And running the war room was Steve Schmidt. And Steve Schmidt, you know, didn't have hair then either. Um, <laughs> and and he was you know, he was, he was uh, cordial but terse, very direct. We are in this to win this, Jim. You know, you know. 
And the Democratic Party as a whole and everybody left of center absolutely hated Steve Schmidt with the, the roaring fire of a thousand suns going supernova, right? He was conservative enemy number one, right? Um, talk to Florida Democrats. They hated Rick Wilson <laughs> every bit as much as they hated Steve Schmidt. By the way, Steve Schmidt, obviously the, the McCain campaign was a, uh, a formulative experience in his career. I think it's pretty safe to say that he turned on Sarah Palin rather vehemently after that campaign was over. Um, I went to the screening of HBO's Game Change. Uh, I think actually I might have said the museum, which is now closing. Um, and went to the bathroom as soon as the movie is done. And coming in the next urinal is Steve Schmidt, who has just witnessed, I believe for the first time in his life, Woody Harrelson playing him as a heroic figure in this HBO movie that all of Washington has come to watch and that all of Washington has come adored. And I asked him, it's like, so how do you feel right now? <laughs> and, you know, I, I generally don't talk at the urinal. I just want to make that, that very clear. Absolutely. Uh, and Steve, I think this is surreal. When you get adored as a hero for turning on the causes you've spent your life working on, I imagine that is a very, you know, intense emotional experience and very hard to resist that gravitational pull. So, yeah, these are people who at one point were not just Republicans in good standing, arguably conservatives in good standing. Uh, I'll spare you. the Just just go through the archives to listen to my jokes about John Weaver always running for some not-so-Republican guy named John, uh, whether it's McCain, Kasich, Huntsman. But I, so I guess at this point, like, you know, when the, I, I did not necessarily enjoy these arguments of, um, well, it's a binary choice in, in 2016. I, I didn't like Donald Trump. I didn't like Hillary Clinton. Uh, I didn't feel like either one of them earned my vote. I saw big problems in both of them. All right, we're approaching 2020. We're probably going to have a very similar choice. If you're a Republican or, or a right-of-center person, you cannot bring yourself to vote for Donald Trump. You feel like every day, this is a man who cannot distinguish between his personal interests and the national interests. If you feel like he's been terrible on the debt and the deficit, other issues that matter a great deal to you. Uh, if you look at the judges, you look at the tax cuts, you look at all the things that have gone, from our perspective, pretty well in this presidency, and you say, that's not enough for me. I can respect that. I can understand that. I know where you're coming from. I don't get the, well, that's why we have to elect a Democrat. What is this organization going to do? Because if your big concern is we need to defend the Constitution, is Elizabeth Warren going to defend the Constitution? Is, is adding more Supreme Court justices to pack the court going to defend the Constitution? Is banning the Electoral College going to defend the Constitution? Ignoring the Second Amendment and gun confiscation, is that defending the Constitution? Here's the problem. If you, if you really are a liberal, uh, traditionally liberal, uh, a classical liberal, as they call it, or, or a conservative, if, you, if you're Reaganite, if you put the Constitution first, we've got no heroes to pick from, right? It's which villain do you think is going to do the least amount of damage? Right now, for me, I think it's Trump. I can understand if somebody sees it differently. And I can also see if somebody says, you know what, I don't like any of these people. I'm voting libertarian. I'm voting third party. I'm writing somebody in. Fine. I got it. I see where you're coming from. I don't get how you say, hey, you know what we need to do to restore the Constitution in this country? Elect Elizabeth Warren. Sorry, not buying it. And um, I just wonder who the target for this pack is. Who's going to give to this pack? Why would you give to this pack instead of an actual Democratic pack <laughs> that is trying to elect Democrats? I, I, you know, this feels like people who have developed a, a niche as MSNBC commentators, and it's a little disappointing. And I just have one last observation. You know, Rick Wilson, who I've just talked to for stories on Florida races going back a bunch of years. Rick Wilson loves to denounce how Trump has coarsened our culture. <laughs> and then he calls Trump voters mouth breathers and backwards and, and every name in the book. Rick Wilson, I love you. 
pick one, right? You can either try to set that better example or you can decide to get down to it, but you can't do both. You can't decide to do both of those things. It's very frustrating to watch these folks take this particular path. We've seen it before. Lincoln Chafee, like we've seen folks who started out on the right, drifted over to the center and then hopped all the way onto the left. Charlie Crist, this is not Arlen Specter. This is not something new and different. But now we've got a bunch of consultant types who are doing this, and we'll be interested to see if there's much of a market for this. My suspicion is, is that I don't know who the people who are inclined to contribute to this are, because my guess is that if you've done that, you've already left the Republican Party. You'd either see yourself as independent, or maybe you've done the full flip. Um, and it's this is basically amounting to, Greg, Jen Rubin, the super PAC. <laughs> yeah, it... It's Washington, so uh, you have to wonder how much of it is principled and how much of it is good for their careers going forward. Some people just really want a seat at the table. Other people really are uncomfortable with him. And so it's, I don't know these people uh, personally, so it's hard to judge. What I do know is that in 2018, when Trump wasn't even on the ballot, all of these people were telling us to vote for Democrats. So the idea that it's only just about Trump uh, is not ringing true with me at all. It'll be very interesting to see if, let's say, Trump loses in, in 2020. Still think that's a, a pretty good shot of that happening. Do these folks think they're get welcomed back into the GOP with open arms? I don't know if you'll see a lot of candidates in the Republican candidates in 2022 eager to hire these folks to work on their campaigns again. But uh, we will see. Maybe they'll be permanent contributors to some cable news channel and they can... Uh... A rant and rave about whatever the Republicans are doing, regardless of who's president. Jim, uh, we'll take it up again tomorrow, see what kind of good martinis we can hopefully track down. Tomorrow's impeachment day, though, so I'm, I'm sure you're really planning to, to watch the whole debate and, and catch every last word of the uh, speeches on the floor, right? Well, OK, there's that debate and there's a Democratic presidential debate. Is that tomorrow? Uh, by the way, let me also point out, <laughs> don't hold a big debate the same time as the new episode of The Mandalorian gets released on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> Are we going to have the Democratic debate? Uh, this, there yeah, some so lo- they, they worked out the labor thing. and oh. so that's, that's Wednesday night. Thursday night, a lot of theaters are going to have their uh, Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. Friday is the official release date, but a lot of theaters say, you know what, we'll do it Thursday night for special screenings and stuff like that. DNC is a bunch of idiots. You know that? <laughs> oh, man. I was really hoping this union would give us a night off, Jim, but uh, apparently they came to terms. See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus, Radio America. Thank you so much for being with us today. Don't forget about our good friends over at NetSuite by Oracle, netsuite.com slash martini. Please subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a great review. We always appreciate that. And tune in again again Thursday for the next. And tune in again Wednesday for the next Three Martini Lunch.